0: Hey, this is Kathy from Boise, and I don't always listen to I Doubt It with Dolomar, but when I do, I don't.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. This is episode 315 of I Doubt It with Dolamore. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting directly across from the table from me. Wow, that was very awkward. The lovely, the talented... The scholarly and the co-hosty, Brittany Page.
0: It's Jesse D's birthday.
1: (laughs) It is my birthday.
0: Tuesday, June 27th.
1: Tuesday, June
0: 27th. Jesse D's birthday. Wow. Happy birthday to Jesse D. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. This would
0: go better if someone else was here to be excited. (laughs) Um, <laughs> it's not going as well. A one person Say celebration,
1: thoughts? a one person celebration does tend to be a little lackluster. Yeah. It just seems like you're kind of a mental patient when it's a one person celebration.
0: Yeah. I think birthdays are also not as exciting once you get to a certain age.
1: Well, I get a little older. I I wonder if maybe I'm becoming a curmudgeon.
0: hmm. <laughs>
1: like this morning for instance watching tv and commercials start bothering me
0: yeah i think this is the case for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah i i agree with that but but it's starting to happen more often about stuff that shouldn't matter well for instance i was watching a promotion a promo mm-hmm. for i think everybody knows what a promo promotion and then I, why did i abbreviate it
0: uh huh. <laughs> Goddamn!
1: Fucking dumb. I'm
0: glad you clarified that. So
1: it's uh, it's the guy from Saved by the Bell. The the not Zach, not mm-hmm. Screech, the other one. Mm-hmm. Mario Lopez. Yes. Mario Lopez is hosting a game show based on the aggravating iPhone app Candy Crush. Huh. Candy Crush is the game show.
0: So what is that going to look like? are they going to bring out like a plinko board that is it,
1: yeah, kind of like that. Oh. You, you didn't see it. It they have a giant board that looks like like an iPhone screen, I guess. Okay. And then it looks like they're having people rappel down to swipe the candies. Like they're hung by a rope. Oh my god. Yeah, and then now there's there's an emojis <laughs> movie? Um Come on, people. What is happening? That's just fucking laziness. That is lazy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't seem to share my Uh,
0: well, I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm not I'm just not going to watch it, it.
1: But it's lazy bullshit.
0: It's I'm certainly
1: not going to watch it.
0: It's interesting.
1: I won't even I won't even give it the 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 importance of a hate watch. I'm not even going <laughs> to give it that. Uh,
0: that that means a lot. <laughs> no hate watching.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's not really hate watch. It's more watch for the benefit of making fun of something. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do that.
0: Well, you already saw what you needed to see. I saw what I needed
1: to see from uh, Mario Lopez, the first season of Saved by the Bell.
0: That guy hosts everything.
1: Yeah, he's... he does. Well, he's he's on one of those like Hollywood. Ec- Extra. That's how I almost saw Hollywood Extra. Uh-huh. He's always down at like the Universal, the Hollywood Walk or whatever. Oh, so you know
0: where he is at all times as well.
1: I've seen his show.
0: Oh, so you watch Extra.
1: God damn. This is
0: exposed. <laughs> you see how I did that? So skillful.
1: He's always at the grove, too. Yeah. You've talked about him being at the grove. Yeah,
0: he is. He's always at the grove.
1: God damn. Oh. This is a fucking travesty. (laughs) It is my birthday, Brittany Page. I expect deference.
0: Well, hopefully hopefully, Mario Lopez will wish you a happy birthday since you are his number one fan. Hashtag number one fan.
1: Apparently I'm his number one stalker because I know where he is all the time. Yeah.
0: You know his schedule. (laughs)
1: All right, listen everybody, last time on the show we went, um, got a little heavy talking about the Philando Castile both verdict but also the subsequent release of the tape of his killing and of the the detention. I don't want to say arrest but detention of his fiance along with her four-year-old daughter in the car. We got a lot of voicemails and a lot of emails about it, and I want to get to some of them before we start the show. The first I want to get out of the way, I, don't, I shouldn't say get out of the way, but the first I want to address is was unexpected for me, but the, the, the person who called, he gave a perspective that first I don't, I don't fully agree with, but I do understand, and I think it's important to get another side... Another another vantage point uh, all the time. So, w- without further ado, let's get to Ethan's call from New York City.
2: Hey, Dalamar. Uh, this is Ethan calling from Harlem, New York. Just got finished listening to your show about the Philano Castile. <laughs> okay. I. You do. Okay, I don't even know where to start with this, but. The haven't saying that, you know, outrage over more of my people getting killed by the cops or getting harassed by the cops. Do you realize that it's only white people, yourself included, who sit there and say this is un American, only white people that says that this is an epidemic. You cannot name one time in American history since we were brought here as slaves, where the police actually protected us where it was their job to not kill us not to harass us i mean hell back in the 50s and 60s we got video of them sicking their dogs on us holding us down with fire hoses when all we wanted to do was march just to learn how to read okay this this is not an epidemic this is this this is not un-american this is very american american was born on this america has always been one this way this is American, and I'm sick and tired of people saying it's an American, when you cannot name a time in American history where we were seen as equals, where we were seen as people. There are laws basically saying that we were three-fifths of a human being. This is what the cops have always, excuse me, have always done to us, always. So stop, only white people are saying this. So, I mean, even, and it's not like anybody's ever going to do anything about it. No one can do anything about it. I don't know how I'm going to say everything I want to say in a three minute, but, I mean, this is, does it need to stop? Yes, but is it going to stop? No. You know, I mean, come on. America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, 99% of things that he did, every time somebody got killed in New York, I support my cops. A man got a broomstick shoved up his ass in New York by the cops. I support my cops. They unloaded 41 bullets inside of a man and reloaded by witness accounts. I support my cops. This is American. Okay? Please stop it with this. The outrage over these shit. I don't even know why the hell my people are even marching anymore. Who the hell are we marching to? Who's listening to us? All you're gonna do is just make a big crowd of people and everybody's gonna go back to doing, okay, you know, the black people are dead marching, let's go back to business as usual. This is America. This is what America has always been. And whenever somebody blocks this out, oh, you're playing the race card again. Or, you know, these, you, when are you going to get off? Stop living in the past. Why are you black people always bringing this stuff up? This is what America has always been. No one wants to hear our plight. No one wants to hear what we are.
1: And he was cut off. However, he did call back, and he left a kind of a summation. And this next this part two of this is edited. It's only it's I think less than a minute, but it's edited because I just took everything out that that summarized what he said there, and um I just I wanted to not leave him on his sc- screaming. You know I wanted to give him the the benefit of of getting a- almost everything that he said out. Uh, I I think Ethan would agree that in the the next call that I'm gonna play. The the content is is not, or the, the spirit of what he's saying wasn't edited, although it is for time edited.
2: Okay, it's Ethan in Harlem again. I got cut off, but I had to step away for a second because I started again before I started to get preachy. Anyway, like I was saying, this is, you know, what's going on with the cops and my people. This is American. This has always been American. It's never been any different. It's always been this way. Okay, since, uh, but, um, long story short, <laughs> long story short, please stop saying it's un American. I love your show. I watch you on YouTube all the time. Just stop saying it's un American. All right? This shouldn't be surprising to anybody if black people get harassed by the cops.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Ethan for calling in. This kind of disagreement passionate disagreement is the lifeblood of of not only the conversation having a conversation a robust disagreement but also the show this is yeah. this is this embodies what i want for mm-hmm. this program for sure and now to address because i don't agree well first of all i i can only take a stab at under trying to understand what what you go through Ethan, what your people, what African-Americans, what black Americans in this country go through. I have no idea because I'm white. I don't claim to have some special magic empathy power. I can only try. And when I talk about un-American, I talk about the America that we should be. The America that some of our documents claim we are. Equal justice under the law. All men are created equal. Those types of ideals that we strive toward. No nation created by white men has a blemish-free history. Not a single one. And we have had horrible, genocidal moments in, in America's history to claim otherwise is disingenuous and I'm not gonna I'm not I'm, I'm that's not who I am I don't even believe that we have our problems however I don't share your your brand of pessimism Ethan that why are we even marching anymore why do we struggle and toil toward a better moment in American history? I don't, I want to be delicate. I want to be a dick to you. But if, if, if those who, who labored to end slavery, to free themselves from the literal shackles of bondage, if they had shared your attitude... Who knows how long slavery would have lasted longer? If those who wanted voting rights had had your attitude, who knows how long it would have taken for black men and then eventually black women to get the vote? How long would it have taken longer for the Civil Rights Act to happen if there weren't men like Martin Luther King to march And protest. So I don't share your your flavor of pessimism. And then as far as white people saying the thing about uh, it's un-American. It's undeniable that we have a system of white supremacy in this country. White people are in charge. That is an unfortunate reality. So until that's not the case... You're going to need white allies. So whether you like it or not, you got me. I'm I'm what you got. This flawed character here is your ally. And I'm going to continue saying things that I hope resonate with white fucking people. Because when I when I scream and yell, it's not for the benefit of black people. I know they agree with me. I'm not trying to preach to the choir. I'm trying to change the hearts and minds of people to make a change, change some minds. And as far as the the pessimism is concerned, going back to that, it, it seems to me that, look, we cannot change what happened. What took place is history, it is a fact. However, we can look forward to the future and change what happens. And it is through action, through civil disobedience, through uh, political organization and marches and rallies and conversations like this that we can do so.
0: I wanted to let you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But I also, I, I, I hope that, um many people are able to hear Ethan's voicemail. Yeah. Because I think that he makes a very good point. And I think you can also hear the pain in his voice and that he feels very demoralized. Um this is demoralizing, yeah. right? And it's it's hard because he's he's in it and he's going through it, you know. So it's hard for us as white people to say, "Well, don't lose the faith, don't lose the hope." You yeah, know, sure, sure. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything good to say. I just, I feel for him. And uh, well, I hope I didn't come across. It's this. also, it's only, I think liberals who say it's un-American. and I think it is because of of what you were saying that it's they're trying to emphasize human rights. Right, right. And, and that that should be what we strive for in this country. And I don't hear conservatives saying it's unAmerican, right? <laughs> um, because I I generally, like Ethan was saying, think that they say I support my police, right? Blue Lives Matter,
1: Ugh, yeah.
0: Um, so I don't hear that talking point coming from that side. If I did, I would think that saying that phrase means something else. But I think generally it is meant in a positive way to shed light on what what we want America to be, an emphasis on human rights, and that this is infringing on people's right to just exist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope I didn't come across like I was in total uh disregarding this point. I, I don't think so. Because I, I I'm not disregarding it. It's a valid a valid point. I understand it. I just I am um I'm a silver lining guy I, I I'm striving to make America what it should be, not what it was set up as, because clearly we had problems in the beginning. Slavery is a fucking scourge. It, it's a problem that it was allowed in the formation of our union to be a thing. that inequality was woven into the fabric of America. The infrastructure of our country was built upon the backs of slaves. Free labor is how we became the strongest, most powerful nation on the planet. And that's a bummer. So listen, look, I love you, Ethan. I I appreciate you. I think that your, your, your point is it's well taken and I hope it's well received by the audience. I don't mind being disagreed with. I don't mind being chastised. Uh... That's all part of the conversation.
0: Well, and it's a good thing, too, because you need different viewpoints, right? We don't just want to sit here and talk to each other. Yeah. That's why we play voicemails and read emails and play voice memos and why we say, hey, send in your thoughts, because we want to hear them, um, especially when they are as awesome as Ethan's. Yeah, right, right.
1: Well, listen, I, I, I certainly want to avoid sitting around jerking each other off because that's not going to get anything goddamn no, done. No, of course.
0: And even with the fired up, even with the getting a little
1: right, right angry, on.
0: that's it's justified.
1: He, This is the type we need out there marching. I really hope you'll reconsider that, Ethan, because your fire, your passion, your the aggressiveness that you show. It comes through as honesty. Mm-hmm. And we need people like you out there organizing, getting involved. Because a powerful leader. People who are moderates, they're hard to fire up. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you don't take a leave. You're not that guy. So thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. All right. Let's move on to our next.
3: Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. My name is Rainer Jones. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I've been listening to you guys for a while. Probably the first episode I listened to was 216. Um, I honestly love you guys a lot. You guys, best show I listen to from, you know, coming from like listening to talk radio as a child and just wanting something more real and something personable and something that, you know what I mean, just tells, tells the real story. Um, with all the climate of, you know, the police and everything, me being my mom white and my dad's black. But either way, I, by default, I get looked at as a black man. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I've, you know, get pulled over or something happens. And yes, sir. No, sir. And, you know, I mean, I, I've had, you know, been treated very fairly. But, you know, still, I, it's hard because I don't feel safe with police. If I see a cop, I automatically think, am I doing something wrong? Is there something that he's going to think I'm doing something wrong? And it's just a fear that I guess has been embedded with me for a long time. I mean, just from the beginning. Um, I don't even want to get in deep on the case because the case is ridiculous. Um, I just got done listening to 314. And I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's it's hard. And I guess it's really good that things are changing and, you know, people are even being accused and charged, even though there's no conviction with, and this doesn't make any sense, but I mean, I don't know. I just hope it gets better. I will say, though, that on a lighter note, if Trump didn't win... I guess Hillary would have won. I don't think the show would be as fun as it is, but I guess <laughs> yeah, that's here nor there, but all right. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys on the show.
1: Well, thank you, Rainer. We appreciate it very much. Um, that's the next step in this is one to secure more indictments of these, these police who act outside of the scope of their job and kill innocent citizens is to secure those indictments more often. Because even that is a fucking, is a battle. that That is an obstacle in and of itself, and it shouldn't be. And then I think we should really, I mean, we should be focusing on convictions, convictions, convictions for sure. But this isn't a problem that's just a flip of a switch. This is changing the culture in our country, opening the eyes of people. And that's why I'm talking about not preaching to the choir, we need people to hear voicemails like Ethan's and to hear the collective groan the the disheartened nature of a a massive faction of America who is almost ready to throw their hands up
0: well and with each one of these cases I think there is a process of converting people
1: yeah, I think into so too. A,
0: at least judging on a case by case basis rather than blue lives matter. No, right. well, I'm going to evaluate and see what happened here and actually approach it with an open mind, right? I yeah. mean, it's a slow process, yeah. slower than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. But it's slowly happening. And we actually have an email that kind of goes along with this theme. It's from Aaron. He says, I want to comment on the recent developments in the Philando Castile case. I have been a law enforcement officer for almost 20 years, but after listening to these tapes, I can no longer give the benefit of the doubt to the officer by default in such cases. This was one of those cases where I thought there was probably more to the story and that the cop would be vindicated when these tapes came out. I was wrong. Those of us in this line of work must take responsibility for our words and actions and understand how they are perceived by those with whom we interact. It's almost as though I can see the wheels turning in Mr. Castile's head, saying something like, he asked for my ID. I need to get it out of my wallet. He also told me not to reach for my gun. I must assure him that I am not reaching for it while I get my wallet. That is a perfectly reasonable interpretation of the officer's commands." It is the officer's terrible panic and inability to see this that cost this poor man his life. Something has to be done, and following through legally on this case would have been a step in the right direction. Apparently, we not only have a problem with our police, but maybe equally as serious of a problem in the court system. I have been doing this job for a long time and have a lot of experience testifying in court. I can't, for the life of me, understand how this acquittal happened. So torn up about this. Thanks for listening, Aaron.
1: Thank you, Aaron. And I agree with that. I think it's... That's that's also part of the next step is getting law enforcement people, career people, people who are on the job to start standing up and saying something. Because this is... You know, when you get people on CNN who are career law enforcement people who defend, 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 defend no matter what. And their justification always is well, the the cop would have lost his life. What about the fucking citizen? The cop pledges to protect and serve. The citizen has made no such pledge. Until such time as the good cops start acting like good cops, we're going to to face down these kinds of problems more and more, or just as often. All right, uh, next voicemail.
4: Hi, my name is Patrice. I'm from New Jersey. Um, And I just wanted to chime in on Philando Castile and the whole Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. Um, I'm 35, so I'll be 35 in July. I have a 14-year-old son who will be 14 the day after I turn 21. And I am fearful for his life. He is a well-respected young african-american male um i come from a family of law enforcement um and it saddens me it really really saddens me i look at the video and from the dash cam and i tear i look at the video from a little girl and i tear and my son is about to go to high school next year And he goes to a school where it is predominantly Caucasian. And the school has been in the news, in the local news, for some racial undertones and racial things. And that's one of the schools, if you're black in South Jersey, you kind of don't want to go to him. My son is going to go to that school. And I'm scared for his life. He is a good kid. He is a loved kid, and I just don't know when all this stuff is going to stop, and I just can't wait until one day I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to worry about him putting his hands up or not putting his hands up or driving when he's supposed to or not driving when he's supposed to, and I just want it to stop. That's all I have to say. Thank you.
0: This is something that's frustrating about reading the comments online in response to this case, which is people don't understand what the black community goes through in terms of dealing with the police and how they have to talk to their kids about how to deal with the police. And it's always, well, they should have listened, right? They should have just followed the commands. Right. Number one, he did that.
1: And oftentimes that's the case. They do follow commands. And number
0: two, when when a white person doesn't listen to the police, are they killed all the time? They're just, they get shot. That's no. what happens. Yeah. Or should that even be the expectation? You don't listen to a cop and then you die and that's what should have happened because you didn't listen right. to the agent of the state that is stopping you for a taillight? light.
1: There was a t- a, 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 a recording, a iPhone recording, out of El Centro, California, last year, where the man had stolen a car and then ran from police and was subsequently just beat, fucking beat down by several cops. And I posted it to the Facebook page, and there were a lot of comments on there about, well, he shouldn't have ran, he shouldn't have stolen a car, that offense. Cops are not the punishers. Right. They are not. They don't mete out punishment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They are there to arrest. It is the court and the justice system that is part of that next step of punishment. And punishment isn't, okay, well, we're going to have five cops sit around you with Billy Cubs and beat the fuck out of you. That's not part of the American judicial system. Right. So... Well l- listen there's also something that needs to be said about and you've been talking about this is that why was there violence during a traffic stop for ostensibly a a a malfunctioning brake light
0: well i listened to a libertarian podcast and just to get you know different viewpoints and and not stay in my echo chamber and one of the things they brought up about this case was that um having armed agents of the state stop people for something as simple as a broken taillight should maybe not be a thing. Yeah. And that maybe that's also a conversation that should be had about armed people stopping you for, for a broken taillight. I mean, that just seems like it's entering a weapon into a situation that is unnecessary. Right. Maybe are, um, are, are par-
1: parking meter maids. Are they going to have guns next? What's next? Who else needs guns in the course of their duties as agents of the state?
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair question. And of course, people would say, well, you never know what you're dealing with. You know, a cop doesn't know what they're going to be dealing with when they walk up to a car door. Um, So that's why they have a gun. They need to be able to protect themselves.
1: Well, you could say the same of building inspectors. They don't know what kind of people they deal with when they go to check the foundation.
0: Well, not only that, you have citizens who don't know what they're dealing with when a cop is walking up to their car. So does that mean that all citizens should be armed? That we should just all be ready to get into a gunfight because we don't know who's going to be approaching us? I mean, how far does this need to go? Right. And why are we giving the default position to the police who are so often abusing their power? It just seems... It just seems strange. It,
1: it, it even goes beyond, and it, unfortunately it does, but it goes beyond even abuse of power. It goes to incompetence on the job. I think it was more incompetence on the job with Geronimo y- Yanez mm-hmm. than it was abuse of power.
0: Well, how quick was he to grab yeah, his gun? Right. How quick was he to put his hand on his gun to get ready to use it? It is... Because un- you keep that in your holster, right. buckled, That's until right. you are ready to use right. it. Isn't that what they tell you?
1: Yeah. and then Well, the other thing is, it's not only that, but both Philando Castile and Diamond Reynolds both had time to say, he's not reaching for it. Multiple times it was said by each person, he's not, I'm not reaching for it. He's not reaching for it. Boom, 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 boom five rounds pumped into him two into his heart two missed because even at point blank range he was derelict in his duties we have a problem with policing in this country i don't know whether it stems from this want to be soldiers of fucking fortune attitude where they wear their their fatigues And they drive their military equipment. And they get trained in in small unit tactics like their military. Or whether we're getting broken men and women from the military who haven't dealt with their anger and their aggression. And all too often their post-traumatic stress. But a new day needs to fucking dawn in America. America. Relative to the people we put in charge and in power over the citizenry.
0: So we have another email to read. All right. This email is from Kai. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I've been listening to the show for about a year and am thankful to have found you guys. I was recently listening to episode 314 and had to stop when you got to the conversation about the Philando Castile verdict. I hadn't watched the video of the daughter and girlfriend in the back of the cop car until you played it. I almost broke down. It was so sad to hear a five-year-old try and make sense of a senseless killing. I am a 20-year-old, six-foot-tall, 185-pound black male. I'm not telling you these details so you guys can get to know me better. I'm telling you this because I am the usual suspect. Every time I hear the recording or see the video of an interaction between black men and police, I only imagine myself. I always fit the description. I am about a year and a half younger than Trayvon Martin. So when that tragedy happened, I stared into the eyes of a teenager that looked like me. Since then, I have found parts of myself in each unfortunate victim. It's so sad, not only because of the tragedy, that is the senseless loss of life, but the fact that many people can begin to predict what will happen next. There is a killing of a black male or female, the same talking heads flood Fox News, people try and protest to no real avail, and the part that hurts the most is that 9 out of 10 times the cop isn't charged. If they are, they will still walk away free, except for a few rarities. It leaves myself and those around me questioning what it is that we as black people can do. We speak to cops, we're shot. We run away, we're shot. We wear a hoodie, we're shot. We play in a park by ourselves, we're shot. I don't want to become desensitized to the subject, but it happens so much and so little is ever done, you get to the point where it becomes almost normalized. I don't even like to approach, speak to, or interact with cops now. Not because I'm doing something illegal, just because I need, I need no reason to be mistaken as hostile, violent, or a thug, or any other terms used to sweep injustice under the rug. I'm sorry about the brain dump. I knew I couldn't fit this into three minutes of audio. I would have ended up just getting angry and yelling into the phone. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Jesse, the photo gallery is priceless and part of the reason why you are the best part. <laughs> and then he said, sorry, not sorry, Brittany. Okay, maybe a little.
1: I think he's talking about on the Facebook page where there's like I was dicking around with the different plugins because I'm not a web guy. And I put some Facebook something or other anyway, whatever. So thank you for the for the email. And listen, we wanted to give as much time here to as many viewpoints. And like I said, this all goes to if you're white out there and you're listening hear what is being said here? It is important, it should add gravity to the importance of what we're talking about here because I'll never know what it's like. I can only empathize and it is through stories, it is through experiences, it is through communication like this that I learn a little bit more. I'm able to empathize just a little bit more and I appreciate all of it very much. All right, we have one more voicemail. It is from fan favorite, Jonathan from the UK, who has a little bit to say about the Philando Castile thing. And then uh, he's going to transition us right into our sweet spot, politics, and namely, Donald Trump.
5: Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. It's Jonathan from the UK. Um, I'm just calling... Well, a couple of things really. First thing is response to episode 314 and the uh, part on Philando Castile. Um, Like you guys, I was extremely moved by that um, audio recording, which I hadn't heard before, to be honest, before your show. Um, These things, we do hear about them a little bit over here, but I think few people realize the depth of the situation and the impact it has on people. and. I would just say I hope sincerely that lessons can be learned from this. You know, something does need to be done. These types of events, these types of attitudes, they cannot be allowed to continue in a civilized society. They just can't. I sincerely hope something changes there. Mm. And on something else as well, I would like to mention as well, it's uh, hopefully something a bit more entertaining and amusing. Um... Parliament reconvened this week, and we had the Queen's Speech, where normally the Parli- Parliament sets out you know, all the laws they're hoping to pass, that kind of thing. Part of that is they also set out a list of all the state visits that are due to happen. And you know, we're due to have the King and Queen of Spain visit in July, for example. Donald Trump was apparently slated to have a visit in October of this year, and nothing has been mentioned. And apparently... Uh, There's been some unconfirmed reports from staffers in the White House that Mr Trump does not want to come to Britain until he's sure that he'll be welcomed. He doesn't want to face mass protests. To which I can say, I think quite honestly, if he's waiting for the British to change their minds about him visiting, he's going to be waiting for a little while. Just to give you an idea of the strength of feeling here, my wife, when she was six months pregnant, when she first heard that Donald Trump was going to be coming, immediately said we should start stockpiling rotten fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's no insult to America or the presidency, by the way, but the man himself is just... I mean, to give you an indication of just how absurd he is, he you know how a state visit works, I'm sure. You know, you have all the pomp and ceremony, you take the gold carriage down Pall Mall, you get to visit the Queen, visit Buckingham Palace... He wanted, uh, reportedly, part of the trip to be him playing golf at St. Andrews with the Queen watching. Her Majesty does not play golf. So here is a man wanting a 91-year-old woman, his host, head of state, to essentially follow him while he plays a game on a state visit. I think the best response I can give here is also the most British response in this point. Donald Trump is what a pillock. Seriously, what a wazock, what a liar, what a bounder, what a cad. He is an incorrigible delinquent. Uh. And I must say, the only positive we're getting from here is that he's not coming, hopefully, to this country for some time. I'm sorry you guys have to live with him for longer. But let's hope we roll on 2018 and we can start to see some progress. All right. I will say thank you very much, guys. Brittany, still the best part. But, Jesse, you're all right, too. Love the show. Cheers, guys.
0: Brittany's
5: the best part. Bye. Goddamn.
0: It didn't even feel like he was insulting him.
5: What a pillock. Seriously, what a wazzock. What a liar. What a bounder. What a cad. He is an incorrigible (laughs) delinquent.
1: Are those, you know what wasn't in there, which I expected, was Wanker.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: No, he's not a wanker. He's a, all those, that's why British people are so goddamn great, is, I just, you know, I call him, I'm not as creative. Mm -hmm. Those are classic, civilized names to call someone. Yes. And I don't know what even one of them means. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: I don't either. That's what I was saying. It, th- those could have been compliments, I think, right? Especially with the accent combined with the accent. If Jonathan was saying that to my face, I would just stand there and smile at him. When he says, "Thank you, Her
1: Majesty does not play doesn't play golf."
0: <laughs> fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> but Jonathan is one hundred percent correct here. The Donald Trump, well, one, I I can't, I can't, uh, I don't know about the golf thing. I wouldn't put it past Donald Trump, but I haven't heard that. But I will say this, that it's likely the trip's not going to happen because it would be a spectacle of negativity that he doesn't want or need right now. I think it would be great to show him that the world is aflame with hatred and angst about you, Donald Trump. But the vi- visit likely is off, so. Thank you all for your voicemails. We appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off and communicate with the show, help us move the conversation forward. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at
0: James. James. Karen. Karen. Elizabeth.
1: Elizabeth. Abraham. Abraham.
0: And that is all.
1: And that is all. Thank you guys so much. We are marching slowly but steadily toward that third episode mark. Like I said last time, if only 500 of you were to give $2 a month, we'd be there.
0: So... I just want to explain what happens. That sounds like a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to explain what happens there when I read the names because, you know, I should read the last one as though it sounds like it's the last name. But what happens is I'm reading the emails and sometimes there's a Patreon email with a name in it, but it's not a new patron. It's someone who has upped their amount. And so... They edited their pledge. And so I get ready to read their name, but then see... That it's just an edit and then I okay, so that's look, why I say and look that at is Brittany. all
1: Brittany uh explaining how the sausage is made.
0: Well, I I <laughs> I would hear myself do that and say, uh, why does she keep on reading the last
1: Jonathan would be very unhappy.
5: What a pillock. <laughs> Seriously, what a wazzock, what a liar, what a founder, what a cad he is an incorrigible delinquent ah <laughs>
1: god damn it it had he in there I was hoping there was no no gender identifier yeah so it could apply to you it didn't you're a pillock a bounder Brittany Page I
0: escaped that trap
1: <laughs> all right well with the remaining time let's get to some politics <laughs> facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there is a lot to get to. I don't think we're going to get to it all, but let's just briefly cover the fact that the Supreme Court has upheld and denied parts of Donald Trump's Muslim ban, only uh, relative to the stay, to the different injunctions that were in place stopping the travel ban from being in place so uh the the court was six to three to allow certain people into the country that were were being denied and then the court was nine to zero on allowing the rest of it to stay in place until october this wasn't a a a decision on the constitutionality of it this was just addressing the injunction by the separate district courts
0: It also isn't this tremendous win to be celebrating. Not at all. Right? No. But he has released a statement celebrating it as though it's some amazing victory for him. Well, he's still facing
1: the court in October of this year.
0: Yeah, it's very odd.
1: He's just, I don't think he fucking understands it because he, you know, he's a bounder and a pillock and a a, a wazer.
0: I think he does understand it, but he believes that his supporters don't care or won't look into it enough and will just read his statement and believe that they're winning. Yeah, that's right. right.
1: Yeah, sure. More winning.
0: Mm-hmm. Winning all day long. So much.
1: 24-7, everybody. Good times with the winning.
0: <laughs> all right. Oh, God. Ugh.
1: So anyway, that <laughs> happened and then, Also, we are in good straits right now with uh, where it relates to the health care bill. There are four Republican senators who right now don't even want to vote to move the bill forward to debate, which is a good thing. Um, We're not going to get into a bunch of detail because things are still developing. We'll probably address it a little bit more in depth on the weekend show for Monday or no for the week uh, for the midweek show for Thursday uh, but there's some other stuff that I wanted to talk about. And that is Ainsley Earhart. To
6: the what about the majority? Okay, I'm the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. The Fox
1: News host. <clears throat> the Fox News host. She used to be on outnumbered. And now she is the Fox and Friends female aspect of that program. She interviewed Donald Trump because he doesn't give interviews to anyone anymore except for Fox News. Well, they talked about, because he has admitted now, that he has no tapes. (laughs) Of course, he admits that he has no tapes now. He says, oh, I hope James Comey hope there's no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press and then Robert Mueller starts hiring a bunch of High powered, very, very uh, credible investigators. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, oh, no, yeah, no tapes.
0: I love how uh, Trump supporters are really getting to the specificity of his use of language, yeah, right? Yeah. There. He didn't say, I have the tapes. He said uh, that he better hope there's no tapes. He just was saying he hopes there's no tapes. Right, right. He wasn't saying anything about- Everything
1: is literal.
0: Yeah, and well, it's literal when it needs to be, when they want it to be. Yeah. And then in other situations. Oh, he was joking, Sean Spicer. Oh, he was joking about (laughs) having Russia hack the emails, right?
1: Uh, Anyway, they talked about it. And of course, Ainsley Earhart teased him up and gives him answers and gives him you know she it's it really is it's batting practice for goddamn Donald Trump little league batting practice because he's not in the big leagues here's part of the interview
6: big news today you didn't you said you didn't take James Comey do you want to explain that why did you want him to believe that you possibly did that
7: Well, I didn't tape him. Uh, You never know what's happening when you see that the Obama administration, and perhaps longer than that, was doing all of this unmasking and uh, surveillance. And you read all about it, and I've been reading about it for the last couple of months, about the seriousness of the and horrible situation with surveillance all over the place. And you've been hearing the word unmasking, a, a word you probably never heard before. So you never know what's out there. But I didn't.
1: All right. What the fuck is he talking about? Also, I'd like to point out, when he says I'm reading about it, he's talking about reading the New York Times, the Washington Post. He's not talking about reading intelligence reports because he, he's the president of the United States. He is the source. He can go to the source. He doesn't have to read about it in the paper. But because his sources don't back up his worldview, he has to malign and discredit the media.
0: But well, certain media.
1: He hasn't answered the question yet. He hasn't even answered. He's talking about unmasking and Obama and surveillance and wait. Buzzwords. Yeah. Why? She wants to know why. I'm kind of wants to know. <laughs> you know, it was a great idea for you to, to say that because it kept uh, Comey on his game. Mm-hmm. And He's all over the place, not answering the question.
7: Tape. And I don't have any tape and I didn't tape. But when he found out that uh, I, you know, that there may be tapes out there, whether it's governmental tapes or. That's the other thing. Right there. He said when he
1: found out, I.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, 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 And he changes what he was going to say. Yeah, that's to me. That's telling.
0: What was he going to say?
1: That's what was in his head. Yeah. He was saying something. It's total speculation on my part.
0: Well, and I think he was legitimately kind of surprised by her saying that, by Ainsley Earhart saying what she said about yeah. that was a good tactic or whatever she <laughs> ridiculous thing that she said. The what about of this country? the majority?
6: Okay, I'm the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. I think he
0: he was surprised to hear her say that. And so he he wasn't really sure of what was what he was going to say next
7: anything else. And who knows? Uh, I think his story may have changed. I mean, you'll have to take a look at that because then he has to tell what actually took place at the events. And my story didn't change.
0: So I want people to pay attention to this, too, because this is a very surreptitious manipulation. I don't know if that's the case, but I'm going to plant this seed of doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's all over that. And
0: people that support me aren't even going to worry about it. They're just going to take that and run with it. Yeah. Right? Well, I haven't looked into it, but someone should do that. Well, no one's going to do it. What they're going to do is doubt. And that's all that you wanted.
7: Yeah. My story was always a straight story. My story was always the truth. But you'll have to determine for yourself whether or not his story changed. But uh, I did not take.
6: It was a smart way to make sure he stayed honest in those hearings.
7: Well, uh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't very stupid. I can tell you that he was. He.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, remember Brittany. You know I'm like a smart person. It was not very stupid. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. It brought down a special prosecutor on your head, you fucking mook. Of course it was stupid.
0: Well, (laughs) not only that, he is now having to release tweets that were not, likely not authored by him, right?
1: Yeah, well, no, very legalese. Uh, Correct punctuation, correct spelling.
0: (laughs) And so he's having to correct, right? It took a long time to do that because he can't admit that he was wrong and he's never apologized for anything in his life because he's never been wrong. So he released these statements and said that he's never taped and then no one will talk about it further. There's yeah. there's no more questions about it. Because, I've released my statement.
1: Because the tweets speak for themselves, Right, Brittany Page.
0: Yeah.
7: Did admit that what I said was right. And if you look further back before he heard about that... I think maybe he wasn't admitting that, so you'll have to do a little investigative reporting to determine that, but I don't think it'll be that hard.
6: Robert Mueller, do you think he should recuse himself from this, because he has good friends with James Comey, he's hired some, some attorneys that were part of Hillary Clinton's foundation have given money to President Obama and Hillary Clinton's campaign. Should he recuse himself?
7: Well, he's very, very good friends with uh, Comey, uh, which is very bothersome, uh, but he's also We're going to have to see. I mean, we're going to have to see in terms, look, there has been no obstruction. There has been no collusion. There has been leaking by Comey. But there's been no collusion, no obstruction, and virtually everybody agrees to that. So we'll have to see. Uh, I can say that the people that have been hired are all Hillary Clinton supporters. Some of them worked for Hillary Clinton. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous, if you want to know the truth from that standpoint. But... uh, Robert Mueller's an honorable man, and hopefully he'll come up with an honorable solution. So let's reestablish the
1: timeline very quickly. Comey released the fact that he had memos and that Donald Trump had said what he said in the Oval Office, trying to get him to stop the investigation. He was already fired. Robert Mueller was appointed by the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Mueller had nothing to, or uh, Comey had nothing to do with it. So to act like there's some kind of the fix is in, they're acting as though Comey picked Mueller to be the special prosecutor. He did not. Mm -hmm. They're also acting like they are the best of friends, and that is just not the case. I've been hearing this reporting, and it is not the case. Here's a package from Randy Kay on CNN talking about exactly the depth of their friendship.
8: No question these two former FBI directors have a history. It dates back to 2004 when James Comey refused to authorize an NSA surveillance program called Stellar Wind under George W. Bush. Comey learned members of the Bush administration were heading to then Attorney General John Ashcroft's hospital room to get him to reauthorize the spying program. Comey called Robert Mueller, who was the FBI director at the time, to alert him. And told him what was happening. He said, I'll meet you at the hospital right now. He's one of the finest people I've ever met. Comey was deputy attorney general at the time, and was serving as the acting head of the Justice Department while Ashcroft was in the hospital. He was later named FBI director in 2013 by President Obama right after Mueller stepped down. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Director. For years, Comey and Mueller have spoken highly of each other. It's daunting to follow Bob Mueller, but it's also a gift, given the way he's led this agency for 12 years, and I promise to do my best to uphold his legacy.
1: I have had the opportunity to work with Jim for a number of years in the Department of Justice, and I have found him to be a man of honesty, dedication, and integrity.
8: Still, after Breitbart quoted a former FBI assistant director saying Comey and Mueller are the best of friends and have been for over two decades, Comey's attorney tried to set the record straight. He told Snopes, Jim and Bob are friends in the sense that coworkers are friends. They don't really have a personal relationship. Friends. The attorney said they've never been to each other's house and that the two men have only had lunch together once and dinner twice. Another important note, despite some claims, the two men are very good friends. Comey had nothing to do with Mueller's appointment as special counsel. President Trump had already fired Comey by the time Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein brought Mueller in to lead the DOJ's Russia investigation. Well, thanks gentlemen. Now whether or not Mueller and Comey have much of a friendship, they do seem to share many of the same values and beliefs. Both were educated at Virginia Universities. Muller at the University of Virginia and Comey at William and Mary. Both had also given up big jobs at private law firms and worked with Eric Holder during his time at the Justice Department under the Clinton administration. Uh, you, While the extent of their friendship remains unclear, they do both share a reputation for having a commitment to credibility, truthfulness and honesty.
1: Regardless of your chosen career, you are only as good as your word. You can be smart aggressive, articulate, and indeed persuasive. But if you're not honest, your reputation will suffer. And once lost, a good reputation can never be regained.
8: Randy Kay, CNN, New York.
1: So there's one part of this that I want to really focus on. And let's talk about this in terms of our lives and our good friends, our close friends.
8: Jim and Bob are friends in the sense that co-workers are friends. They don't really have a personal relationship. Friends. The attorney said they've never been to each other's house and that the two men have only had lunch together once and dinner twice.
1: So if they've known each other for two decades, for 20 years, and they've only had dinner twice, and they've never been to one another's houses, BFF. They're, they're not really that great of friends. Think about your best friend. Yeah. Think about someone who's a good friend of yours.
0: Mhm.
1: Maybe not even your best friend. But someone who's a good friend. Have you not been to their house? <laughs> Have you only had one lunch and two dinners inside of 20 years? Mhm. These are guys who worked in the same department. They know each other. They respect one another. But they're not pals. They're not chumming around. Come on. Let's get the story straight here. Yeah. And for all of these other media organizations to continue to talk about what great friends they they are, rather than the respect they have for one another, the professional respect based on their integrity and their work ethic and their commitment to the same types of, of system of belief that is different than being fucking super close besties.
0: Well, the <laughs> conspiratorial narrative is most powerful. Right. And so that's why Fox News is advancing that narrative.
5: What a pillock. <laughs> Seriously, what a wassick, what a liar, what a founder! what a cad. Yeah. He is an incorrigible delinquent. What can you
0: tell him,
1: Jonathan? Goddamn.
0: You should follow that up with the douche chill drop. <laughs> I don't have it on the
1: board. You got to warn me.
0: Well, you should just... That makes
1: me seem like I'm a delinquent and a wazzic and a pillock. A slacker. A fucking delinquent slacker. Yeah. Everybody, Jesse D. Even on my birthday, just being a fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) So... Listen, we're talking about Ainsley Earhart here.
6: What about the majority? I'm so tired of protecting the minority.
1: And I've been screaming about
6: Fox News
1: for a long time about being the state-run media organization of the United States. They are our RT. They are our Al Jazeera. Well, the rest of the media is starting to take notice. Brian Stelter did a feature on his show, Reliable Sources, on CNN the other day. And he he really took it apart. He has a staff. They, they spent a week. Well, I'll just let him explain it. Fox News is state-run media.
9: What would a daily infomercial for the Trump presidency look like? Well, actually, we don't have to wonder. We have the answer right in front of us. It's called Fox and Friends. We're going to dog. dogs coming up on Fox and Friends Live from Look New York. Look at Janice's t-shirt. Yeah, it's beat that, TV. Matt Lauer. We're watching dogs. <laughs> President Trump watches all the morning shows. But judging by his tweets, as recently as this morning, Fox and Friends is his favorite. He gave two interviews to Fox and Friends this week. Those were his only interviews all month. So we here at Reliable Sources decided to watch an entire week's worth of the show. We wrote down every story, every guest, every banner. And what we found is that Fox & Friends is really Trump's safe space. It looks like a newsy morning show, but Fox executives acknowledge it's not really a newscast. It's a conservative-themed talk show. The show is about showering Trump with positive attention and burying his enemies with negative attention. The show's hosts and regular guests claim that one of his main opponents, you can probably guess, it's the
5: media. This is all a political circus at this point. Democrats and sadly much of the liberal media are using this as an excuse just to attack the president.
8: The mainstream media, the Washington bureaucracy, uh, which are basically the Democrats, all pretty much the same thing.
1: There has to be some accountability somewhere in the media for uh, continuing to have a narrative which isn't true.
9: This gets really repetitive, but over time, all of this anti-media talk obviously has an effect on the audience.
8: In our discussion earlier, you said you can't stand the way that he's being treated in the media. Talk about that. Exactly.
9: I'm so concerned about the media because they're lying. Sounds like she's been watching Fox and Friends. And by the way, it has the added effect of keeping you watching Fox and nothing else. Repetition is something we noticed all week long, Monday till Friday denying collusion between Trump and Russia was an almost hourly affair.
7: In terms of collusion, that's going by the boards. There's
9: nothing there in terms of collusion with Russia. So this idea that there's collusion under Trump is just not backed up by the
7: facts. This Russia collusion investigation, if that's what you want to call it. It looks like collusion, just saying.
6: (laughs) All the collusion, all the corruption that hasn't been proven, all the leaks. Just give him a chance. Collusion, corruption, never been proven. There is a
9: leaker, and the leaker shames Comey.
7: There has been no obstruction. There has been no collusion. There has been leaking by Comey.
9: So there's the president at the end of the week repeating what Fox & Friends has been saying. The show's latest obsession has been undermining and attacking the credibility of special counsel Robert Mueller. Remember, Trump is hearing these talking points all week long, and then at the end of the week, repeating them back to the host, Ainsley Earhart.
6: Can we trust Robert Mueller? Isn't it a conflict of interest for Mueller to be appointed and for him to choose an attorney that was Hillary Clinton's foundation attorney? Should he recuse
9: himself? There it is, heroes versus villains, us versus them. On Fox & Friends, Trump is us, Mueller is them. Watching for an entire week, we saw lots of the president's friends, but almost no dissenting voices, no Trump skeptics or critics, except in sound bites, which were then knocked down. It's all about optimism for Trump, resentment about his opponents. You can even see it in the show's banners on the bottom of the screen, and again, it's oftentimes an anti-media narrative. You can see here, liberal press attacks hospitalized congressmen, or liberal press still pushing White House shakeups, or MSNBC, graphic, uh, MSNBC analyst makes a graphic president analogy. I wonder, what would they do without the liberal media? Who knows? The hosts on the guests on the show know that the president is watching, and they go out of their way to not only endorse his points of view, but also express their appreciation.
7: America needs to say two words to Donald Trump. Thank you. It's very simple. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for keeping your promises. Thank you for creating a new environment with our uh, foreign uh, friends across the world.
9: That expression of appreciation seems to culminate in a celebration of the administration each and every single day.
6: Today is his 150 day in office. It's over the course of the 150 days, today's 150th day. And now that he's 151 days in.
5: I, I think on policy. Counting up,
9: it might be a bit of a problem when you have to remind viewers about how long a president has lasted in office. Doesn't this preoccupation with counting remind you of something, something from your childhood? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, count with me. I'm just playing here, but the the bottom line is that you might look at this and see propaganda from Fox. I prefer to think of it as an infomercial. Fox and Friends is selling a product. Of course, it's in the guise of a news talk show, just like something on QVC or HSN or all those channels. Now, hey, it's a free country. But viewers should recognize what product Fox is selling.
1: The product they're selling is Donald Trump. A product that's already been sold to America. America already bought the goddamn product. You don't need to keep selling it. That's salesmanship 101. Once you've closed, shut the fuck up. Stop selling. This is propaganda. This is state-run media. That's precisely what this is.
0: Well, and if you look at his Twitter timeline today, he has retweeted Fox and Friends four times. Oh. And he has been attacking CNN all morning. Yeah. Because they did have to retract a story. Yeah. And three reporters, I believe, have been let go or fired or they quit, whatever. Yeah. And um one of the one of the people that that was involved, they gave a statement and he was the executive editor of the team that was responsible for the story. He said, I've been with CNN since 2001. Wow. And I'm sure about one thing. This is a news organization that prizes accuracy and fairness above all else. I'm leaving, but will carry those principles wherever I go. So this is someone that worked for CNN for a very long time.
1: 16 years.
0: And because of this one story, they're out.
1: That's the way it should work.
0: And he's on Twitter saying, so they caught fake news CNN cold, but what about NBC, CBS, and ABC? What about the failing New York Times and Washington Post? They are all fake news. So he's attacking all of these news organizations and retweeting Fox News. Right,
1: except Fox News.
0: And this this should be problematic to everybody because they're also slowly... Um, changing the norms with the the uh, press conference not allowing visual
1: they don't even cover it live the audio that you hear that like CNN plays
0: right and no is cameras
1: hours later
0: yeah and no cameras yeah so you just have audio and they ask why why are the cameras off Sean
1: he ignores the question he
0: ignores the question although he has said that on days where Donald Trump is giving a speech, it detracts from that.
1: Right. The communications office of the of the White House is over. Well, he said he wants the, the president's voice to carry the day. The, the president's voice carries the day every day. He's the president of the United States, whether it be when he's acting like a 13 year old girl on Twitter attacking his enemies or whether it be while he's giving a speech next to the head of state of some country. Yeah. Sean Sean Spicer's not going to upstage Donald Trump.
0: Right. So I, I do want to say uh, what this story was that was retracted just really quick. So the yeah, story yeah. Uh, reported that Congress was investigating a, quote, Russian investment fund with ties to Trump officials, citing an anonymous source. So they have retracted that. Um and and that was the story.
1: Yeah, right. It's unfortunate because it does it does fit right into the narrative of Donald Trump and the anonymous sources, you know, attacking that. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel for people when they lose their jobs. But when you don't do your job properly and you add to a narrative that discredits your organization, you got to go. And they took care of biz. They did what they had to do. All right. We're going to end it. We got a lot more to cover uh, midweek. But we're going to have to wait until then to, to hit some of these other stories.
0: Taking care of biz. Jake Tapper.
1: Again, taking care of biz.
0: From Fake News CNN. <laughs> he was um, given an award the Los Angeles Press Club President's Award. Nice. And he gave a very lovely speech, and I want to read a part of it, because I think that it's very important what he said, particularly for journalists and maybe other people who (laughs) talk about the news. I'm not talking about us, because when I read it, you'll clearly see that...
1: It's not about us.
0: <laughs> We're not fitting into that, but but other people, okay? All right. So he says, that means our facts need to be squeaky clean and uncorrupted. We are not the resistance. We are not the opposition. And we are here to tell the truth and report the facts, regardless of whom those facts might benefit. I know it is difficult to not get swept away into a stance of opposition when a politician declares war, not only on journalism, but also when he declares war on the very concept of truth. And sadly, sometimes on the very idea of decency. Make no mistake, we need to fight for truth and decency to preserve them so that when this era is over, when our children in two decades time ask us how we handled this period, we can look them in the eyes. But part of that service is to preserve the foundation on which journalists stand. And that foundation is built on concepts such as fairness and nonpartisanship and doing our jobs without fear or favor. When we tweet every emotion we have, every moment we have them, we undermine that foundation. When we publish or broadcast shoddy journalism, we undermine it. When we do not rise to the moment, we undermine it. And that undermines what we are fighting for. Wow. So <laughs> this didn't come out of Ainsley Earhart's mouth, right? And What about this the
6: majority? Okay, I'm the so majority, so tired right? of protecting the minority.
0: And there are flaws with every news organization. There are flaws with...
1: I have many criticisms of CNN. Yeah. Believe me. So Believe me, Brittany.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's hard for these people, I'm sure, because their, their job is being attacked. What they oh, do... They're humans, too. What they love to yeah. do is being attacked. But this is really powerful because something that Jake Tapper does is he criticizes both... Both sides. And he was doing this as recently um, as two days ago when he was discussing the the health care bill and said that the Democrats, they met on like Christmas Eve or something, you know, um, criticizing the times that they were meeting, the times they were discussing this, um, that they're complaining about the secrecy when they used similar tactics. And he also criticized the Obama White House for not being transparent, Uh, things like that. It's it's not a partisan issue for him. I, I genuinely believe yeah, as, that. Yeah,
1: as, as it shouldn't be.
0: And I think that he is a good leader for other journalists, uh, that they should aspire to be more like that. Of course, you have certain organizations that would prefer to be like an infomercial for the president. Which is, I, I don't know who you're
1: talking about, Brittany. Which
0: is very, <laughs> very unfortunate. And I like that he says, uh, tweeting every emotion we have every moment we have them. I think that is also useful for everyone, not just journalists, right? Um, because we live in a, a very strange time where we can put all of our thoughts out into the world. Yeah, yeah. So anyway.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll wrap with that. Powerful words. I think everybody could take somewhat of a lesson from them. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening twice a week or as often as you do. We appreciate you. If you would like to support the show other than listening twice a week or other than rating and reviewing us, the show on iTunes, we would love to have you on board. Go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. There you will find ways to get us closer to our third episode per week via Patreon. We love you, we appreciate you, and until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. What
5: a pillock. Seriously, what a wazzock, what a liar, what a bounder, what a cad. He is an incorrigible delinquent.